Hello and welcome to Security DNA Podcast produced by SecurityInfoWatch.com. I'm John Doberstein, Managing Editor of Security InfoWatch and the host of this podcast. The editors here at Security InfoWatch plan to utilize this podcast to provide detailed actionable information of value to security professionals. This will include industry news, trends and analysis, technology solutions, policy risk analysis, and management. For this episode, I have with me my colleague, Steve Lasky, who is Editorial Director for the Security Group at Endeavor Business Media. Steve will be talking today with National School Safety Advocate Max Schechter. His son, Alex, is one of the 17 victims murdered in the Parkland High School shooting on Valentine's Day 2018. Max is the founder and executive director of Safe Schools for Alex, a 501c3 organization. Safe Schools for Alex has a mission to provide most current school safety best practices and resources to students, parents, school districts, and law enforcement so that all children can learn in a safe environment. Since the heartbreaking day that changed Max's life forever, he has been advocating for policy change at the highest levels of the United States government. He has worked alongside members of Congress, leaders of all major federal agencies, and presidents of the United States to make schools safer. Max has testified as a subject matter expert before the U.S. House and Senate and multiple state legislatures. In August 2018, he advocated for the creation of a federal agency to house national school safety best practices. In 2019, Max's vision became a reality when President Trump created the Federal School Safety Clearinghouse at schoolsafety.gov. In July 2022, Max attended the White House ceremony where President Biden announced the most significant gun safety legislation in 27 years, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which made schoolsafety.gov permanent and law. And with that, let's turn this over to Steve. Thanks, John. I appreciate the introduction and the, uh, and the bio uh, that you uh, provided us on, on Max. Max, welcome to the program. Uh, I know this has been a trying week for you since you're uh, involved in the trial of Scott Peterson, who was the school resource officer at Parkland uh, in, on Valentine's Day when the, uh, when the incident occurred. Uh, the charges are that he was derelict of duty, and uh, uh, so he's up on charges now. And we'll talk about that later. But uh, you know, I, I just want to start out with uh, a article or a commentary that that you did uh, in 2019, where uh, you wrote that just in the blink of just three minutes and 44 seconds, uh, your life along with so many others were changed forever by a horrific yet preventable mass murder. Uh, yeah, tell us what the, what your, uh, life was with Alex before, uh, you know, the incidents on, uh, on, on at Parkland and how they've changed now. And, and, you know, the dedication that, that you've done to, to help other parents get through this. Steve, it's, uh, it's good to be with you. Uh, I, had, I had a great life before. Um, Alex had a lot of tragedy. Um, when, when, my, uh, when my wife was uh, 36, uh, Alex was just four years old. Uh, my wife passed away. I lived in Pembroke Pines at the time, and uh, so I had two little boys. I thought, I thought that was the worst day of my, wife, my life. Uh, trying to wake my wife up in the morning and and I couldn't wake her up and she was gone and 
but several years later, I met a woman uh, whose husband died of a heart attack. He actually died a month apart from from Debbie. Uh, She had two little girls, and we started dating long distance. We fell in love, and then we had to make a decision. Do, uh, Do I take the boys and move to New York, or does she take the girls and move to Florida? We decided to move to Florida, and uh, we thought Parkland was a very safe city. It had been ranked one of the safest cities, the safest city in the state. And uh, and then 10 years later, I sent Alex to school, and he, he never came home again. Uh, we had a good life together. Uh, it, was, it was Karen and I and, and four, four little kids. The boys had sisters, and the girls had brothers, and... We had a beautiful little family. I had a small insurance business that was thriving. But then after the shooting, nothing else seemed to matter except for finding out what happened to Alex, holding those individuals accountable, and then doing everything I could to prevent the next tragedy. Alex was a beautiful little boy. He was he was so much fun to be around. Alex was in the band. Alex played the trombone in the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Eagle Regiment Marching Band. Alex was a great athlete. He loved to play sports with his older brother, Ryan. Alex was a great basketball player. He won multiple championships on the Parkland Rec basketball team. And Alex was, it was always great to travel with Alex because he he loved to do everything, whether it was eating Nutella crepes or listening to music or uh, going to amusement parks. Alex lo- loved roller coasters, so we had a lot of fun times. And, I, and I'm, 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 you know, again, this is a nightmare that any parent just uh, relives constantly, and, and our hearts go out to you. Uh, you know, when you you as a, as a businessman i mean you're you're uh seem to be someone who s- stays current with the news and uh was i'm sure aware of all the 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 school shootings that have been going on around the country over the last decade or so and you and other parents uh i mean is this something that you ever felt would land at your doorstep no of course not i we moved to parkland because it was ranked the safest city in state. We had a school resource deputy at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas at the time. Thought we had a, a great uh, sheriff's office, the Broward Sheriff's Office. And I, I thought that they would protect uh, my kids. We lived in, or do live in the sixth largest school district in the United States, Broward County Public Schools. And we thought that they cared about safety and security come to find out that the principal didn't really care about it and didn't prioritize this issue and swept everything under the rug. You know, when, when this occurred, I mean, there, there had to be a feeling of helpless, helplessness in the weeks following the shooting. And when did that, when did, when did that, uh, click in your head, uh, uh, go off that, Hey, I need to spearhead something to bring awareness and just heighten the air of urgency to this maddening series of school violence. How did, you know, how did you make that a priority and how, how obviously that's kind of dominated your life since? 
I have three other kids, and so I wanted to do everything that I could to make sure that nothing happened to them. So I set out on this journey to see what other school districts were doing. And then I wanted to bring that back to Broward County. And I worked with the the former superintendent. We had a school safety forum where experts came in from around the country uh, just three weeks after the shooting. And then I visited the safest school in America at the time. It was in Indiana. And, and we wanted to do you know, uh, do some legislation to make schools safer. So I went to D.C. probably a month after the shooting and held a uh, a roundtable with with Marco Rubio, uh, Senator Marco Rubio, and other uh, other congressmen. Uh, Ted Deutsch was there, our, our our congressman from Parkland. So, you know, it was initially to make our school safe in Broward County, make sure it never happened here, and then also make sure it never happened again. Obviously, it's it's frustrating and upsetting because it, it continues to happen. You know, when you look at uh, what you've done in three short years uh, with uh, the spearheading the Luke and Alex uh, School Safety Act, and like you said, you had uh, – uh, several representatives like uh, uh, Diaz, uh, Ballard, Deutsch, Rick Scott, Marco Rubio, Ron Johnson that jumped on board with this uh, with you. Uh, uh, and you named this in honor of your son, Luke, and his friend, I mean, your son, Alex, and his friend, Luke. Uh, the legislation is going to be codified into the Federal School Safety Clearinghouse uh, and uh, would amend uh, uh, Title uh, 22 of the Homeland Security Act of t- 2022. So uh, this clearinghouse and this database of collected data uh, is going to certainly help establish some best practices for schools nationwide. Uh, when you when you spearheaded and 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 uh, launched the uh, the the Safe Schools for Alex, what was what was the mission initially? It was to educate parents and law enforcement and and teachers about best practices. And as I traveled this country, I was amazed to find that there were some school districts that were doing great things, but the rest of us had no idea and it hadn't filtered and spread throughout the country. And so that's why I came up with this idea to create this federal school safety clearinghouse. And at the time, uh, President Trump had tasked uh, Betsy DeVos with creating this federal commission on school safety report and uh, the president liked that idea to create a, a one-stop shop for all school safety best practices, resources, and dollars. And then uh, schoolsafety.gov was launched and housed in the Department of Homeland Security. And then, you know, uh, several years later, we, we worked with President Biden to codify schoolsafety.gov. And, and the president included the Luke and Alex School Safety Act into the uh, new bipartisan safer communities act legislation that was passed last year so that was that was a big accomplishment uh and it's a great resource but as i travel around the country unfortunately a lot of people still don't know about it so that's so my mission has not ended and i was just in dc twice in the last month so uh we're still working hard we just started a school safety policy center to advocate for school safety, uh, public policy at the state and federal level.
Yeah, wasn't there a school safety caucus that took place in D.C. on May 23rd? What were the results of that? Yeah, so there had not had there there was not a coalition of members of Congress that were aligned around making schools safer. There hasn't been one in over six years. So when so we we've been working on this for the last uh, last two months to create a a school safety and security caucus and and then on the one year mark of the Ovalde shooting. Uh, the congressman from Ovalde, Tony Gonzalez, along with the uh, the Parkland member of Congress, Jared Moskowitz, uh, formally uh, launched it, and and we've been having a lot of other members sign on. So we're excited that that this is moving forward, and and we hope that the caucus will uh, help us to pass some good common sense school safety legislation. You you certainly had a, a great working relationship with uh, the uh, politicians in Florida and the legislature there. I mean, they've been the most proactive state in the union, union as far as school safety and security, uh, dedicating more than a billion dollars uh, right now to keep uh, under the initiative going for a safer environment in schools since the Parkland shooting. And they've been spending about $200 million a year. Uh, how tangible have the results been in, in that spending? And is the money being directed to uh, to programs that are actually creating some uh, uh, tangible results? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Uh, the The progress of school safety improvements has has grown tremendously. We didn't have an office of school safety prior to the shooting we do now. And that office has grown, um, it's grown a lot. They've got, I think, almost 30 people in the Office of School Safety now. In just the last legislative session, there was more funding to hire more people in the office. We've got an armed school safety officer on every K-12 campus throughout the state. We have a See Something, Say Something app at the federal level. We've got... Uh, threat assessment teams in every school. We've got a mental health coordinator. We've got a uh, school safety director. We call them school safety specialists in every school district. So, uh, but most importantly, we prioritize uh, safety before education throughout the state because if the kids uh, don't feel safe, and if they don't make it home every day uh, and the staff to their families, nothing else matters. So safety before education, and, and that's not only a, a motto, uh, it's prioritized and it's, it's pushed down from, from the, the great leadership we have in this state throughout the school districts. You know, following up on the op-ed that you, that you wrote uh, a couple of uh, years ago, you, you said that parents who have endured the horror of mass shootings in Sandy Hook, Virginia Tech, Santa Fe, and Parkland didn't believe it could happen in their communities. And the majority of schools across the country still don't believe this tragedy could occur in their community. So how do we keep parents, students, teachers, administrators vigilant without creating a constant atmosphere of fear in our schools? It's hard. It's hard. Our, our country is so reactionary and... You know, I just don't think the American psyche, uh, 
you know, is prepared to, to, to live there. If we were in a different country, like if you lived in Israel where you've got enemies all around you, then, uh, and, and at 18, every, every person goes in the army, you know, then they have that, that vigilance, uh, and, and that security mindset. But here in the United States, the country is so big and, uh, Thankfully, gun violence hasn't affected everyone, but the the other side of that coin is that if it hasn't affected you in your community, then you're they're probably not going to take it seriously. Uh, so there's a lot of communities that I travel around this country and they don't prioritize this issue or maybe they did it, you know, once they did something after Parkland in response to Parkland and then never did anything ever again. So Unfortunately, we know that the next school mass murderer is already out there. Right. The next gun that he's going to use is already out there. And so it takes great leaders to understand that uh, either, either uh, if, you, if you fail to train, you are trained to fail. And, and th- when it does happen... You know, you're going to regret not doing the things you should have. You know, that, that kind of that segues into my ne- my next question, uh, Max. Uh, there seems to be a, a huge disconnect uh, between uh, school administrators, school the school itself, and uh, first responders and law enforcement. If we take Parkland and, and Uvalde as examples, uh, obviously in the Parkland uh, shooting. Uh, there was a school officer in the school who failed to react and uh, was complicit in this uh, event becoming just a mass tragedy. And he's on trial right now on several counts uh, of, uh, for his malfeasance. In Uvalde, you had you know you had scores of officers standing around while the gunman was inside, and uh, they never breached the school to intervene for, you know, a myriad reasons. Uh, how do we, how do we fix that disconnect or make that, uh, relationship more cohesive, more, uh, aware and more proactive. So, uh, they, uh, that law enforcement actually does have, uh, the tools and you know the the information to go in and abort something before it becomes such a mass event. Well, there needs to be better training. When we interviewed several of the Broward Sheriff's Office deputies, when the last time they had active shooter training, uh, some of them responded and said that they couldn't remember it was might have been ten years ago, twenty years ago. So uh, when in reality it was three. Uh, three is too long, uh, so we need to be conducting active shooter train training nationally um, much more frequently. And the other, the other failure is that we've got agencies around this country that don't even have an active assailant response policy. You know, there is a lot of of requirements and and pressure that's put on these agencies to train, but. With the prevalence of, of mass mass shootings around the country, you know, school, uh, law enforcement agencies have to prioritize this issue and need to train their officers. And so it's it's a big issue. 
We've got to do a better job on training. They need the policies and procedures. You can't expect guys to do X, Y, and Z if you don't even have a policy and procedure stipulating that. And, and then what we found in Parkland was they just didn't train. They, they only trained every three years. We saw the other responding law enforcement agency, the Coral Springs Police Department, they train every year and, and they went right in. So it's, it's multifaceted. You know, I'll just I'll, I'll finish with this because I know, again, you're watching the, uh, the Scott Peterson trial. What do you hope uh, that uh, the result of this trial is, whether it's guilty or not guilty? Uh, what, uh, what can be gained from this? What, what can we learn from this trial? And what do you hope personally uh, you take from uh, how this is being handled and the national attention it's getting? Well, I hope that this is setting an example for other law enforcement agencies and and cities and municipalities. You know, we in the past being a school resource officer, or school resource deputy was a position that they 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 assigned when you were in the latter, you know, 3 quarters of your career. You know, in your in your fifties, you got a couple years before retirement. Oh, let's stick them in the school, but you can't do that anymore. School resource officers need to be, you know, carefully selected, specially trained. They've got to have a certain skill set and a certain mindset, and uh, you shouldn't be just sticking, uh, you know, someone in there for the rest of their life. They should be rotating. Um, and you've got to have someone with tactical training. And uh, so that, that's important. I hope that, you know, it, it sends a message to all, all agencies about, you know, the responsibilities of, of these officers have on campuses. And um, I hope he's convicted. I mean, there's no excuse. There's no reason, uh, you know, for, for why he stayed outside and stayed behind a concrete pillar for over 40 minutes when other officers went in at 11 minutes. So um, it's, it's, just, it's just so upsetting that, you know, they, he didn't go in. If he would have just opened the door to that school, he would have seen dead kids all over the, all over the, the hallway and, and then first responders could have gone in. They potentially could have saved my little boy and and others, and and they could have uh, stopped the killing on on the third floor. It's heartbreaking. I, I, that's the reason I do what I do. Is I travel around the country. I talk about best practices, lessons learned, uh, so that because we know that you know history is going to repeat itself and. We've got to learn the lessons from past tragedies so we make sure that they don't happen in, in another community. So uh, Florida is doing a lot of good things. We've identified lessons learned, best practices, and, and that's my mission in life is to get out there, tell as many people about Alex, tell them Alex's story and what happened here so that we can save lives uh, when the next active, active assailant uh, you know, tries to kill people. Max Schachter, we appreciate you sharing your your story with us. It's a heartbreaking, crushing story. I know I'm a parent. My daughter uh, grew up 
uh, in the same environment having to do the drills and uh, you know she just graduated law school and this is one of her missions is to work uh, within the system to start getting some of these things under control so uh, you know may Alex's memory be a blessing and I appreciate you taking time and uh, talking to our audience uh, Max if, if uh, parents and and other organizations out there want to help you and uh, and get involved how can they contact you and get involved yeah, no, uh, Steve and John, it's been great being on the show. Uh, if anybody's interested in, in getting involved and in, in contacting me or getting more information about how you can make your schools safe, they can go to safeschoolsforalex.org. And, you know, you, you mentioned briefly about drills. We do we do fire drills and we've got fire sprinklers uh, every uh, we've been doing drills for decades and and they've worked. We haven't had a kid die in a school fire in over 70 years. And so that's why it's important to, to do drills and, and prepare and teach our students and our staff what to do. Unfortunately, you know, we don't live in Kansas anymore. No offense, uh, no offense to Kansas, but, you know, we live in a dangerous world. And, and the, 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 the lessons and the education that we're teaching in our schools is applicable to if you're in a Walmart or you're in anywhere because this is going to continue to happen around our country. And so whenever you're on a plane, they're doing drills. You go on a cruise ship, they're doing drills. And you need to be doing drills in schools uh, because if anybody watched the trial yesterday, they, they, uh, one of the witnesses, Ivy Seamus, um, she was the, the teacher in, that t- taught the Holocaust class. And there was another student that they had as an, a witness there. And both of them said they didn't get any, any training on what to do uh, when these happened. And training empowers uh, students and staff. It gives them confidence. It teaches them what to do. Uh, it is just absolutely heartbreaking that you've got a murderer coming down the hallway with an AR-15 AR intent on killing you uh, and your staff, and they have no clue what to do. So I hope that you know people watch the trial and, and it, it, it spurs a change uh, throughout the country in all of these different areas, including uh, training our students and our staff what to do when uh, in the face of, of danger. Again, Max, thank you very, very much. Uh, John, uh, take us home. Well, Steve, Max, I want to thank you for coming today for this important discussion about school safety and what can be done to keep students safe. Just a reminder to our audience, this podcast is for you so you can stay informed about trends in the security industry anywhere, anytime. To access our podcast lineup, go to podbean.com and search for Security DNA. You can also find our podcasts in our Security Frontline Integrator Newswire and Security Week e-newsletters. For Steve and Max and everyone here at, at Endeavor Business Media, thank you for joining us and stay safe wherever you may be.